Hi, it's Lucy and welcome back to another episode of The Real Girls Club and the first episode of 2023. Today I have the pleasure to be joined by award-winning international production designer Carol Spear. Carol is known for her long collaboration on many films with director David Cronenberg in films such as Crash, The Fly and Eastern Promises. She has also worked with directors such as Guillermo del Toro and Jodie Foster. In today's chat, we talk all about how she went from working in theatre to films, where she finds inspiration for her set designs and so much more. I find it fascinating to hear all about Carol's career, so I really hope you enjoy learning about it in today's episode as much as I enjoyed recording it. I'm I'm glad we finally got the chance to sit down and chat. I usually like to start my podcast by asking my guests how they got into the career that they're in now and where they sort of started. And I read about you that, you know, you studied interior design and then you worked in an architect firm and also in theatre. So I'm wondering how you went from interior design to production design. And do you come from a creative background well, I, when I finished my university degree in, in, in interior design, I was working in an architect's office and I started doing theater on the side just as a hobby, I guess. And it was starting to become more interesting than my job. So after a while, I, I quit I, and went to work in theater, making hardly any money at all, where I had been making a fairly decent salary before. And then I was working in Winnipeg at the time in a film came into Winnipeg to shoot one of the early Canadian films. Most of the crew were all from Toronto. Through somebody I knew, I started working on it. And on the film, I was doing just about everything because it was a very low budget. I was doing the uh-huh. sets and the props. And I started out with the costumes and thought, oh, I can't do this as well. So I got a friend in uh-huh. and fell in love with it. And uh-huh. basically everybody, all the crew members from uh, on that were from Toronto, all said, well, you've got to move to Toronto. It's where the film is right uh-huh. now. It definitely wasn't anything in Winnipeg at the time. Uh-huh. And so I packed up and moved to Toronto and, and started working as an assistant and then eventually started doing my own stuff. I mean, that first film, though, was was a fantastic learning ground because I only was in theatre. I'd only done theatre at that point. Uh-huh. And it's different. I mean, you're tell you. It's a it's a storytelling thing too with characters and and that which is what I love, but it's just a different format. So I I would spend a lot of time working the set and every every chance I had I would look through the camera. That was in film days, of course, uh-huh. and looking through the camera and I would talk to the you know the DP. Why are you using this lens? Which lens is this? Why are you using it? You know, and, and I it was it was a fantastic learning ground anyway. Uh-huh. And you're very curious as well. Beg pardon? You were very curious to know what was going on as well. Oh, yeah, definitely, because it was such a fascinating uh, subject. Anyways, that was the was the start. Moved to Toronto, did did a few things uh, as an assistant. I worked on early movie called Equus with uh, Sidney Lumet and Tony Walton and Ozzy Morris, and I had an opportunity to see how three collaborators work together and I and I, that's what really inspired me to keep doing what I wanted to do because it was it was just that collaboration between a director of photography a director and a production designer and which is what I love to this day is that collaboration. Do you come from a family of creatives um, or are you the first of your kind to get into something like this? Yeah, I, I'm. I, my my family. I mean, they. I think they have an artistic background, but uh, you know, because of circumstances, their artistic background had to become hobbies. And my father, uh, he was basically he was an electrician by trade, but 
he loved photography and he had a bunch of different great cameras. He had his own dark room in the basement where he'd let us come and spend time. Uh, my mother was, she was a hairdresser only because she, that was all they could afford to send her to school. They wanted, she wanted to go to university. And, you know, at that time it was, no, the sons go to university, the daughters are going to get married. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah. Very traditional. So so she went to hairdressing school and she, Uh because hairdresser, but she was also, you know, she, she painted and she had a, you know, did her oil paints and that was her creative outlet, I guess, other than, uh-huh. other than the fact that she was a really good hairdresser. I mean, yeah, hairdressing is still a creative job. Um, definitely. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So how did your collaboration with David Cronenberg begin? I think I was working on my, maybe my third feature film that I had done and I, and the, um, the producer on it, no, the producer on David's film, on, uh, it was a film called Fast Company, was shooting out in Western Canada, he had been the the production manager on that small film that I did in, in uh, Winnipeg, that very first film. And he called me and he said, how would you like to work with David Cronenberg? And at that point, David was just enough, you know, I'd, all I had never met him, but I had read a couple of articles about him and he was uh-huh. like this up young Canadian uh, uh-huh. director. And I thought, uh-huh. sure. Unfortunately, I was still on the other film so it was like a case where I wrapped one film and got on a plane the next day and flew out to Western Canada to start mm-hmm. another but uh, and that was the beginning of you know our collaboration. So once you started this collaboration with David Cronenberg I guess it sort of yeah blossomed after that and did you feel like or did he feel like that you both had quite a similar vision and hence why you still work together to this day? I guess I have a very similar vision today, but or or maybe I just understand his vision uh, mm-hmm. and can put it and can implement it and can make his visions work because I just find I have a very creative person. I love reading his scripts. Whenever he sends me a script, it's, I can hardly wait to read it because kind of script where you start reading and you don't put it down because I've, I've read a lot of scripts over the years where I've taken me several days to read or I read a three pages and have to go back to figure out what I just read because <laughs> okay I see what you mean I was going to actually ask about you know the script process how many times do you have to read the script over until you're like or you know you fully understand what his vision is and are there times when you've read his script and you've been really surprised by the story and you're thinking I have no idea what this is about no I've never really had that happen I mean I I read I read a scripts I mean usually it's just one read sometimes I'll read it twice especially if there's a big time frame between the time we have a chance to talk and then we sit and we and we talk and we you know we just talk about it we talk about the characters we talk about the locations we talk about what the sets are what's happening in the sets you know what David's vision is and then you know it's I mean of course you keep reading the script over and over as you're going you know every time yeah <laughs> yeah of course it's something that you've got to reference to yeah exactly and what I noticed as well when watching the the documentary The Invisible Art of Production Design your job is just so detailed there's not just I mean when I think of production design I was thinking so you know just everything that you see in the frame like the mise-en-scene as they used to say when I was at university but there's, yeah, it's just so detailed. I mean, you've got to make model homes or like not model homes, but model buildings of what you're going to make afterwards. And there's a lot of planning and drawing and there's also location um, scouting involved. So, yeah, what does the process look like in our typical production design? At the beginning, we usually start, I mean, we usually figure out what 
what we're going to build and what's going to be a location or what's going to be a location that we find and then build within that location. So there's a lot of time spent at the beginning searching for the perfect location. Sometimes you find it right away. Sometimes it takes a long time. Uh, And sometimes you find something that is even better than what you were thinking and then and which takes you in another direction and think oh well that's better I, I, just as an example when we first started crimes of the future we were looking not in athens we were looking in, in canada we were going uh-huh. to shoot it in canada i wish we we looked at i think maybe four or five different cities and there was nothing that was inspiring for what both David and I were thinking of for the film. Uh, or, if, you know, to make it work, we would have had to do a, an awful lot of work that we couldn't really afford, build a lot of sets. And then Robert Lantos, the producer, suggested, well, well why not? Because he'd shot there before. Well, why not Athens? And David and I looked and we thought, hmm, that could be interesting. And then we <sighs> looked at locations and, and it was just, it was the kind of texture that we were looking for that we couldn't uh-huh. find here. Because it was uh-huh. the age that we don't have here, you know, we don't, uh-huh. you know, we're a new country, basically, uh-huh. <laughs> that same kind of texture that we were looking for. Uh-huh. So it, it took a while. I mean, that was months of looking at locations till we finally ended up going to Greece. Yeah, that, that was that situation. I mean, other situations you know, are, are different. Every, every film is different. Do you, have you ever had a really challenging situation in terms of maybe you've got a certain budget, but you've got to have a certain impact, but maybe you have to, you know, you're, you, something won't allow for you to go to a certain location or, or use a certain set. You, what kind of challenges do you come across and how do you overcome them? I mean, I, I suppose with David's films, I mean, most of the, his films, uh, we've always had the budget challenge because of the kind of film they are, you, they don't bring in the kind of money that you would like to have. So, uh-huh. so we always have those kind of challenges, but it's you you work through it. I mean, you you and David's very accommodating in that way. I mean, if you can't afford to do one thing, if you can figure out another way, he's quite accommodating. And and sometimes he'll just say, "Okay, I won't do that. I'll do this instead." And so, so we managed to work through that. He does like shooting on sets, though, as opposed to locations, if he can. So uh-huh. we you know, so the, the, you know we have to try and figure out the best way to spend our money so that we can afford to build the sets and and still you know do it within the budget that we have yeah it sounds like on a film set you definitely have to be open and flexible to to changes because you can't always get what you want or it might not always work in how you imagined it to work on particular films like the standout films for me of david cronenberg are films like the fly and crash and i'm wondering if um when working on these films, did you know that you were working on films that were going to be essentially classics in pop culture and cinema? I don't, I don't, with, with the fly, I mean, the, the original fly was pretty iconic. I mean, it was a classic. So we had to, we had to kind of maintain that. <laughs> so right, I think yeah. felt that it was going to be maybe not as classic as it became, but we thought it was going to be a pretty spectacular or a pretty I can't think of the right word is that because I can't say that we thought it was going to be iconic at that point. Mm -hmm. But the one thing that I didn't realize while we were making that film and didn't realize it until we were until I actually saw that the film cut together, that it was a love story. Uh, Mm -hmm. I mean, while we were shooting, you know, it's it's your typical your your horror story. (laughs) But there really, really was a love story. Yeah, of course. No, you're right. Actually, yes, like there was a a love story weaved within all the rest of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that that was a surprise. And Crash, Crash. I mean, because of who wrote the, you know, I mean, it was a J.G. Ballard book. I uh-huh. mean, and he's iconic. So, you know, 
It had to be. It had to be a, a, the same kind of response to the, as the book. So when you're creating a film set, are you going for a feeling or an aesthetic? Yeah, what do you want to be portrayed across to the audience? I, I, every film is different in that sense. I mean, you obviously want to go for a feeling. I mean, you want to go, you want the film to feel like the characters who are in the film belong there, that that's where they live, that's where their life is happening. Uh, so the, that feeling is all based on the characters, I think. The aesthetic part, you know, like, it depends on the film. I mean, some films you want it to be ultra modern and other films you want it to be gritty. It, it, every film is different, which is why I love doing this so much, because it, everyone is, it's another challenge. It's a, a mm -hmm. different, different approach. Because, yeah, I know you've also worked with Guillermo del Toro. I probably just butchered his first name. I'm not sure if I've said it right. Well, that's uh, right. Is that right? Okay. And his style is, well, much more fantasy, I would say, in comparison to David Cronenberg. How did the style differentiate for you or your, your working style maybe from what, with one director and then another when they've got such contrasting visions? Well, I mean, uh, every, every director that you work with, and I've worked with a, quite a few directors now, every director is different and every director has a different approach to shooting and how they shoot and feeling for, for film. Uh -huh. uh, David, David does keep things fairly realistic. He, I mean, it's a little bit out there realistic, but uh -huh. <laughs> as I said, he, want, he likes people to think that this could be happening to them. Guillermo, on the, on the other sense, he loves the fantasy world, but his fantasy world, it, it has realism too, but it's the Guillermo realism, I guess. It's, it's uh -huh. his fantastical sense of realism. I mean, uh -huh. even in, like in Pan's Labyrinth, I mean, it was a fantasy world, but it was set in a very realistic world of war. It, it was, you know, you had that juxtaposition there of the, of the fantasy and real world. They 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 have both have different approaches to to making films. I mean, Guillermo is storyboards everything and storyboards some things himself and has a storyboard artist do it. David does not like storyboards and does not use them. So he he likes to get his you know we pre plan it, we work out the sets and the locations and the props and everything ahead of time and the costumes. But when he gets on set with his actors, that's when it kind of gels for him and he sees how the actors react to everything. So he he doesn't like to storyboard because I think he's scared that if he storyboards, then he's he's stuck with doing that and he can't change his right. mind. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, storyboards are meant to be thrown away. <laughs> they're, they're a guide. <laughs> so when you're creating a set, so once you've found out what movie you're going to be working on, what other places do you go to for inspiration? Do you listen to music, read books, go to museums? Oh, it's, I mean, we spend, uh, it's called, now it's called the pre-pre-production, <laughs> which is basically the time that you spend working for free <laughs> on oh. a film. <laughs> Researching, looking at art, listen, as you said, listening to music too, yes, mm -hmm. that's, that's a bit too. Do, uh, do any directors tell you to listen to anything specifically or watch anything specifically? Some do, some don't. Yeah. I mean, with, with Viggo Mortensen on the last film, he, he wrote the music ahead of time. And he had the music all planned out for each scene. So he would play, he played the music for us and said, well, this is what's happening. And this is the, how I want this scene to feel. And then, and then with Deep Vigo, I mean, he kept sending us every 
couple of days, he'd send us a list of more westerns to watch. You know, right back to the first some of the first westerns ever made. Up to yeah, you said in your email that you must have watched over a hundred westerns for that. That's crazy, but it's fun that. research. It's fun. It too. was fun research. A lot of westerns. I was like binge watching westerns. <laughs> so I mean, that was basically to see how they how people how they shot in the past. How you know, like how the they shot the horses running. You know the. Mm-hmm movement uh, you know like some some were very hokey and you went oh my god there were a lot of you know misogynistic westerns that i couldn't watch but uh it, it was it was just fascinating to do i mean and then i also look at a lot of art books i look at art books because for the light you know in paintings mm-hmm. i look at photographers a lot of photography books you know different photographers and their and how they approach things it's and then you know i just go on the net and i just start going down the rabbit hole of looking at stuff have you got any um you know dream directors that you'd love to work with or just you know someone's work that you really admire or anyone that you haven't collaborated with yet that you think oh I'd really love to work with this actor or Uh, director now you caught caught me on off guard and I'm not (laughs) that one (laughs) or any milestones maybe that you yet yet still want to achieve in the your career I'm getting to the point in my career where I'm sort of downsizing along with my house. I'm downsizing <laughs> and, and I'm only at this point working with people that I like Vigo and, and David, people that I know and I you like. Know. And uh-huh. so I haven't in the present thought about any, you know, I mean, I suppose if somebody wanted to work with me, then I might go, oh, my God, yes, I have to do this. Again, and watching the documentary on YouTube, it was about your work on existence. And that was one of David Cronenberg's more earlier films. And what I thought was interesting, you know, you were creating certain spaces. And what I noticed in like one of the scenes, one of the sets you've created is going to be basically like, well, artificially, I don't know if you could say that, like exploded or there'll be fires and things like that. Do you ever get precious? Like, how do you not get precious about your work when you know they're probably going to explode it or something or... Exploded or tear it down and put it in a dumpster after they finished. <laughs> a lot of sets <laughs> torn down and put in a dumpster. <laughs> no, you can't. I mean, it's 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 on film. I mean, it's there now. It's on film yeah. or it's on tape. I I think the only time I've ever been upset is when I built something and I really liked it, and then they cut it from the script and it just sat right. there and didn't use. <laughs> oh. You know that happened very often, but you know a couple times and it's like, oh, that was a waste of time and money. <laughs> I also wanted to ask what sort of changes you may have noticed to the industry since you started out. Overall, just in terms of the business over over my career, the main change I found has been the fact that now a lot of it is streaming and it's a lot of series. That whole collaboration that I think I mentioned before that I really like, which is the between the the director of photography, the director and the production designer, that three people that are the creative people, that is not so much anymore. It's especially if it's a a series, because in a series you have like a showrunner and multiple producers. Uh Uh, A lot of the producers are also the writers. So you have, it's sort of like committee more. Uh, The showrunner does tend to oversee it, but then you have, multiple directors that come in over the series and and in some cases multiple directors of photography Uh so it's not the same kind of collaboration so for me that that's the big difference and that's happened to to, to 
filming the industry. A story, a filming a story. I mean, whether the story is a story that takes place over uh, seven or ten episodes, or if it's just one feature, that's the main difference. That because you have that. worked also on a, a Black Mirror episode with Jodie Jodie Foster, as I read. Yes, so Jodie. She was she was great to work with. I liked working with her. And and eleven twenty two sixty three was a series that uh-huh. and I was it was fun to work on and I liked working on it but it's still you know I liked the showrunner very much but again it was each you know each episode had a different director and, uh-huh. and you know and, and and they all want to put their own signature on it and and so it, it's a it's a whole other way of looking at filming it's not that uh-huh. that initial thing that I fell in love with which was the the creative process between the three main people. So do you have any future projects lined up currently, apart from decorating your house? <laughs> um. Well, right now my house is consuming that, but I think in, in about another couple of weeks, I'll start that pre-pre-production uh, free work for, <laughs> on, a, on another David Cronenberg film. Oh, okay. Exciting. So can't say much more about that, I, I guess. I don't know it's called The Shrouds because I think that's been in the news, but it's okay, called The so that's Shrouds. Okay then. And what kind of advice would you give to someone else that maybe would want to get into production design like yourself? Well, it's good to have a background, whether, I mean, I've seen people come from different backgrounds and and, and it's just different approaches to filmmaking. Uh, whether you've studied it, you should study either art or architecture or interior design or film uh, or theater. Uh-huh. Uh, they're all, they're all a back, very good background and basis and then I, I think the best best learning place is is on the floor to be there on the floor while the film is being shot you know and see what the camera sees and what the actors are doing and uh-huh. how they're moving and how they're moving the camera uh, uh-huh. that that's the, that's the best school I think yeah uh, some, some of the I mean some schools some film schools do that they actually you know they're I guess they all do you know they have they make small films but the more you can work on a set the more you're going to learn yeah, definitely to be curious and, as you say, just to be amongst all of it. And also for production design, um, I guess you also have to really look at how the actors will be moving in the space that you've created as well. A lot of like oh, logistics. Yeah. You, have, you have to create the space to allow the movement. If you know what the what the act what the director wants the actors to do in certain things, you know you have to make sure that there's a, enough space on the set for them to to uh-huh. move the camera as well as the actors. So. So as you were saying, you're, you know, decorating your own house. And I wonder if your interest in production design and interiors crosses over into your personal life. Over, over the years, because my husband is also a production designer, between the two of us, I mean, when we're not working, I mean, we've always been adding on to our house or building our house or doing uh-huh. additions, or painting or doing something or collecting stuff to put in the house, which we right. wish we'd doing because we have too much stuff you've got an eye um, for antiques then and, and collect oh yeah everything. yeah no our house is very eclectic we have everything in it I mean plus plus we also manage to save things from films too and, and our travels oh wow you've got props so we have, a, we have we're, we're almost hoarders I guess <laughs> <laughs> well thank you so much for coming on my podcast and answering all my questions it's been so great to finally get the chance to chat to you okay thanks it was great thank chatting. you very much Thank you for listening to today's episode. Carol kindly picked out her top five favourite production design in five films, which you can find over at the Real Girls Club Instagram page at Real Girls Club. Make sure to follow and review this podcast on Spotify and share it with anyone you think will enjoy it too. I'll be back very soon with another episode.